Hey guys, welcome to Don't Even Ask. I'm your host, Sabrina, and I wanted to provide a trigger warning for today's episode. This episode is about a murder and it does mention sexual assault. So if this is something that you might want to skip out on, I completely understand. Um, But with that warning in mind, let's get started. I want to thank the website truecrimeedition.com for the majority of the information I had from this post. Um, This story is also about well, it happens in Iceland. And so my Icelandic doesn't really exist. So I'll be trying my best to say the names. This is kind of the the pronunciations that I've heard from different other like podcasts and news stories. So hopefully I will get them right. Um, But yeah, with that, let's begin. I am a huge fan of Iceland. Actually, it's my favorite country I visited in 2014, and I was just blown away by its beauty. It's known as the land of ice and fire, and it has long summers, uh, but unfortunately that means that the winters are long and dark and there's very limited sunlight. Because Iceland is so welcoming, which is something I loved about Iceland, Berna Biren's daughter got into a car that she didn't know. She wasn't really worried about it because that's kind of just what people did, and she really thought she was going to end up going home. Berna was 20 years old, and she lived with her father in a suburb of Reykjavik. She was outgoing, and she held a job in a department store in the city. She had a bunch of friends, and they spoke very highly of her. On January 13, 2017, Berna went out to a club called Hura in the city center of Reykjavik. In the early hours, her friends were ready to leave, but she wanted to stay a little bit longer. So she left three hours later around 5 a.m. as the club was closing. Now, this is January, so the sun wouldn't rise until 11 a.m. So she left the club in the cold, in the dark, and began walking home. It was 15 degrees Fahrenheit, or negative 9 degrees Celsius. um, And on her journey home, she stopped to buy some food, and she ate it and walked along the main shopping street in the city. She was drunk, and there's CCT footage of her bumping into a stranger along the way. She dropped money, but it's Iceland. It's safe, right? I mean, walking alone in Reykjavik is not unusual. Crime rates are low. The homicide rate is less than 1% a year. Police officers are unarmed, and if there was a drug offense, even though those were rare, they were usually just settled with fines. The thing is, Berna was planning to walk back to her father's house. That would have taken two hours. So she probably would have definitely wanted to take a ride from some car passing. According to surveillance footage, that's exactly what she did. Video shows a red Kia stopping alongside Berna, and then you can see her proceed to get in the car. That's the last time that she's ever been seen. When Berna didn't show up for work the next day, as you know, usual in these cases, her friends immediately tried to contact her. People were worried because she was never late for work. Her phone was turned off, which was something that was also unusual for her. Her absence became a cause of concern. Her friend and colleague Maria called the friends that went clubbing with her the night before, but they thought that she just went home. The day passed, and by evening time, Berna was still absent. Her mother filed a missing persons report with the police. She also posted a message on Facebook to find out if any of her friends had seen her daughter that day. 
The post was shared thousands of times through that night and in the following days, but no one had anything. The police responded by tracing Berna's phone, and it pinged at Tower at 5.50 a.m. on Saturday morning before it had been turned off. The triangulation showed the phone was located six miles away in a port. I genuinely feel embarrassed to pronounce this word, so I'm not going to. But it's near somewhere that starts with an H. The police hadn't started a formal search for burning yet because they just couldn't believe that she was actually missing. I mean, people did not just disappear in Iceland. Her mother talked to friends and family and went around the port trying to figure out if anyone could find her daughter. At this point, it had been 36 hours. The media quickly picked up on the story and her mother agreed to interviews, but she really just kept insisting that Berna would not just disappear like that. Because of this, the police began their pursuit for Berna. The search became the most extensive manhunt in Iceland's history. Two brothers were part of the search headed to the harbor at the place that begins with an H. I'm going to try to say it. It's Hafnarfjador. Um, I know for a fact I said that really wrong, and I'm not sure if I have listeners from Iceland, but I'm so sorry. Um, but that was where her phone had pinged, and they actually found her Doc Martin boots. Divers were sent into the freezing water, and drones were deployed for an aerial view of the area. Investigators began to review the surveillance footage from the port and came across the red car. They noticed that a man got out at around 6 a.m., the man staggered onto a waiting ship called the Polar Nanik, a fishing ship. The car then left and wasn't seen again until 11 a.m. Now this ended up being a huge lead. In the original CCTV footage from Reykjavik, the investigators couldn't read the license plate number. But this time, the recording was much clearer. They quickly traced the car to a local rental company and found out the vehicle had been hired by Thomas Olsen, who worked on that ship. He was 25 years old from Greenland and decided to go drinking with his friend and crewmate Nikolai Olsen in Reykjavik on Friday night before departing for work on the ship. They both have the last name Olsen, but from what I'm reading, I don't think they're related. I think they're just friends. Police wanted to question these two fishermen, but there was one problem. The polar nanic was now in the middle of the sea fishing off Greenland. So this means not only are they not there to be questioned... This meant a huge diplomatic nightmare was about to begin. Investigators needed a strategy to get those two men back on Icelandic soil. They planned to fly four Icelandic officers onto the Triton, a Danish warship, and sail to Greenland, because Greenland is a territory of Denmark. Their plan was to pick up police officers from there and transport them onto the ship to make the arrest. But this extravagant plan never actually came to fruition, the captain of the Polar Nanik actually had another idea. A journalist that was reporting on the case found the private Facebook page for crew members and messaged Olsen about the Kia Rio. Why they did this? I don't know. It seems like a bad movie or TV show. Concerned, Olsen showed the message to the ship's captain, and he was worried about keeping his job. The captain told him not to worry and just sent him on his way. The captain then started to read a little bit more carefully about this case and he realized his ship was linked to Berna's disappearance. He actually took action, which is amazing, and returned his two crew members to the police. So he turned his ship around and headed back to Iceland, and this was all under the guise that the engine had malfunctioned. Then he turned off the Wi-Fi on the ship so no one would be able to read the news, and basically saved the day. 
Good job, dude. He later reported that he did this for two reasons. One, he didn't want people to read things that alluded there was a killer aboard their ship and caused panic. But number two, he didn't want any evidence to be thrown overboard during the voyage. So this captain is big brain. Shout out to captain. On Wednesday, January 18th, the Polar Nanak finally docked back in the harbor and the Icelandic counterterrorism unit boarded. The harbor then was closed to the public and other ships, and most of the Reykjavik police force was positioned along the dock, waiting in 12 police cars. The Kia Rio had been impounded from the family who rented it after Thomas Olsen, and the forensics team took over. Berna's blood was found on the back seat, but they could tell that the car was deeply cleaned. Because of this evidence, the interrogations began immediately at police headquarters once the two men were into custody. According to both men's accounts, Nikolai took a cab from the harbor in Reykjavik and began drinking in a pub called the English Pub. He won eight beers on a lucky wheel spin, so, I mean, that's cool, and continued drinking before his departure on the Polar Nanak. By the time that Thomas Olsen had driven into the city in his hired rental car, his friend was super drunk. Police learned that the staggering man at the harbor was Nikolai. They visited another bar and then went out to their Kia, and that's when they were spotted on the CCTV with Berna. Both Thomas and Nikolai told investigators that two women got in the car, but Nikolai was so drunk that he fell asleep and just couldn't remember anything. Thomas dropped Nikolai off at the ship and then claimed to have taken the girls back of the car to fool around. He claimed that he let the girls out an hour later, and that was that. The police officers responded to Thomas's version of events with something I like to imagine kind of going as, mm, cool story, bro, but nah. The police had a lot of evidence telling a completely different story. Police determined that Thomas's phone was turned off for four hours after he dropped Nikolai off at the Polar Nanak. He was then seen buying cleaning products, bags, and clothing from a supermarket nearby. The classic murder package. He told investigators that, oh, um, no, I was just using it to remove vomit. But the forensics used luminal and, hmm, guess what they found? A lot of blood. The car wasn't seen on the few surveillance cameras throughout the city until 11 a.m. when Thomas returned to the ship. He claimed that he just slept in the car, but the mileage showed a different story. He'd been driving that whole time. When examined by doctors, Thomas had scratches all over his chest, and when his cabin was searched, the officers found drugs that he bought in Denmark. Um, the crazy thing is these drugs had a street value of 1.4 million pounds. So yeah, that's crazy. That's a lot. Then they found Berna's driver's license in a trash can. Forensics dusted for fingerprints and Thomas's prints were all over the card. At this point, it seems pretty obvious what happened. Nikolai was released from custody after two weeks, as investigators believed that he actually didn't really have anything to do with the disappearance. He was just there, and he was drunk. Still, they kept Thomas, and on the 30th of March, they finally charged him for the possession of drugs and the murder of Berna Bryan's daughter. Now, how did they know she was murdered? Well, on January 22nd, her body had been found. This is all in thanks to the over 800 volunteers and 80 vehicles that searched the country for her. It actually ended up being a low-flying helicopter that made the discovery. 
This was 30 miles from Each Harbor, as I'm going to call it, and her body was found at the edge of the water by a lighthouse. She was found naked, but her autopsy showed that she actually hadn't been sexually assaulted. She was hit in the face and strangled, but the cause of death was drowning. Now, this is the part that kind of breaks my heart. It looks like she was still alive, and then she got dumped in the sea. The trial took place in August 2017. Thomas Olsen pled guilty to the drug charges, but not the murder. The thing is, the evidence was pretty much non-disputable. They found more evidence, they found more fingerprints, and his story kept changing. He finally admitted that Berna was the only woman in the car with him that night, but again, his account changed drastically. When on the stand, he told the judges that it was actually Nikolai who drove off with Berna when Thomas got out of the car to urinate. He claimed that Nikolai picked him up later that night without Berna in the vehicle. Yeah, sounds really likely. Um, pretty much no one believed him, thank God. And with the blood in the car, the fingerprints on Berna's driver's license, fingerprints on her boots, the security footage of him buying the cleaning products, and the long drive, yeah, that was more than enough to convict him. A month later, Thomas Olson was sentenced to 19 years in prison. He appealed, but it was rejected in February 2019. The thing is, Berna's murder didn't just devastate Iceland, it affected Greenland. With two countries in mourning for such a terrible loss of life, the people of Greenland had vigils for Berna and placed candles in their windows. Denmark and the Faroe Islands also paid their respects. They kind of called her the fallen daughter. In the Iceland Monitor, there's a quote, and it says, quote, Two nations united in grief over a young woman who could have been anyone's sister, daughter, or girlfriend. When you live in such a small society, the victim doesn't feel like a stranger, but part of your family, end quote. Berna's funeral was attended by 2,000 grieving family members, friends, and locals. Many small memorials popped up around Reykjavik, and people left little toys and cards and candles. They even made a Facebook page to commemorate her. So with this tragedy in mind, we kind of want to know, how did things change? Well, Iceland did make some changes. Its inhabitants are a little bit more wary of strangers. Because of Berna's death, young women are now a lot more careful when they're out at night. There was a Facebook group offering car rides around the country, but that's become a lot less active than it used to be. Instead, a sister group has been created specifically for women, which I love. Before Berna disappeared, there was heavy debate about adding additional security cameras to Iceland. Well, because of this, now there are more security cameras, and it's kind of a way to hopefully protect the citizens and prevent anything like this from ever happening again. Obviously, there's no way this can just be completely prevented, but it does seem like they are taking the right steps. Thank you so much for listening to this story, and I hope that you enjoyed listening to this episode. I will try to be out with one more episode before the end of the year, but we'll see. Fingers crossed. Thanks for listening.